I have a profile on Medium. I have not written anything for it yet. A lot of the, the things that I could be using are just, I've signed up for and ready to go, but I just don't know what to do. Hello there. Welcome to Brand Therapy, the podcast where we help people with their challenges as it relates to their businesses and their brands. I'm Phil. I'm a brand strategist. And I'm Lauren. I guess I'm a brand strategist too. You are. We used to call you content strategist, but now we just say brand strategist. Not anymore. Not anymore, honey. Yeah, I mean, this is what we do. We get a stranger on the phone who tells us some of their challenges in in their business as they're looking to grow. Today is an interesting one because in fact, the challenge faced, it's probably one that you faced as well. And it's certainly one that we are in the middle of right now. Last year, I'm the first to admit, I got a little comfortable with a very sizable client that we had. And when that client, you know, when we went, you know, different directions, it meant shaking things up and actually thinking, who are some people I haven't been in touch with that, you know, may find our services helpful and may want to work together again. So we've been very much in the mindset of how do we generate some new business? Yeah. I think also it's relevant to people who are in full-time jobs and aren't freelancing. The people that you know are the ones that really determine what happens in your life and the opportunities that come your way. So we talk about a few strategies. Absolutely. Should we get to the conversation? Let's go. Let's go. Here's our chat with Allison. My name is Allison. I am an independent writer, editor, and proofreader. And my biggest challenge is using all the channels available to me to find new clients. How are you getting clients currently? Currently, the clients that I have have come from like places that I've been employed before. Like if I've been an editor somewhere, most of the time I continue doing some work on a freelance basis after I, after I leave that place. And those are the, the clients that I have now are both from places that I've worked before. This is a tough one, but I, I want to actually have Phil... I want you to talk about how you got the ball rolling with getting your own clients because Phil, you're so good at it. And um, and I think maybe talk about your own experience first and then we can get back. Well, just so I'm clear, are we, how, how recent is the pivot from full-time employment and rocking that responsibility as part of an organization to freelancing? Is that, is that the place that you're in right now? I'm full-time freelancing right now. Just for, to give you a little background, I think I started with, I've, I've been freelancing in some way or another ever since I started. So my first job was actually just writing a, a newspaper column on a freelance basis. So that was my, my very first gig. And ever since then, I've always had some combination of uh, usually a regular full-time employment and then, you know, one or two side gigs. And there, were, there was one period of time in there when I freelanced full-time for a couple of years and then I went back to having a full-time job. You know, a lot of it has to depend on what kind of health care is available out there. So I've always had some kind of combination of full-time work and a side job. How many years of experience and what kind of relationships do you have that are existing that you could leverage more or less if you went back and made contact with those people? My first editorial job, my full-time editorial job was in 1998. And I've been working freelancing continuously for that company since then, ever since I, I worked there and beyond. So I have a, an ongoing relationship with them for, you know, 20 years now. So that's definitely a strong client there. So, and some of the other editors that, that work there, I've gotten work from them. So word of mouth from those people. 
And then the last magazine I worked for up until February 2017, I freelanced for them. Uh, I write a couple of articles a month usually, and I'm working on some editing as well. Do you currently have a system for keeping track of your contacts and how often you're in touch with them? I don't have anything formal, no. Ooh, this is juicy. (laughs) I think I want to talk about that. Um, Actually, (laughs) it's funny, Austin, because let me tell you why. We're in the process of doing that in this very moment. And so there's not really an exact science for it. But actually, if there was, I think we've created we've created it, or at least we've made an attempt to create some kind of structure. Here's why we bring this up. Let me just preface this. You mentioned positioning yourself for new jobs, having a website, all of that is fine and dandy. That's great. You want people to discover you. But the energy that goes into forming a new relationship is at least double the energy that it takes to reignite an existing relationship. So I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm saying it's secondary to at least first giving thought to who are some people that I know that I haven't reconnected with that say you just complete your website or you've got a new project or you've got something exciting to share gives you an excuse to make contact with some of those existing relationships. Much easier to do business with people who already know you and how great you are than trying to sell it from scratch. Yes. I've been up work lately and doing those uh, cold proposals definitely takes a lot of energy. Yeah. Do those if you have to. But you know what I almost want to say to you? Do those once we've exhausted every possible previous lead and contact and opportunity. I'd rather, you, rather than be sending cold proposals on Upwork, I'd rather you be sending friendly drop-in messages to people you're already connected to on LinkedIn. Oh, okay. Have you ever heard of the book or read the book, Never Eat Alone? No. Yeah, it's good. It's good and I would definitely recommend picking it up. The main kind of strategy that the author, Keith Ferrazzi, he, he's basically a, a sort of master in social connection. And he created sort of a formula or a system for how you can be a good networker, so to speak. And it's pretty fascinating. In his book, I'm sure he's done an updated version since I read it 10 years ago, but he recommends that you have a spreadsheet or some sort of system that lists out every single person that you've ever met and know. And in that spreadsheet, you keep their you know, phone number, you make note of their birthday, you uh, make a note of, of what industry they work in, and more importantly, you make note of the last time you connected with them, whether it's a phone call or an email. I know there are a lot of um, online tools now, like in HubSpot, that will actually keep track of that for you, which is cool. So you sync it up with your inbox and it'll note the last time you connected with that person. But regardless of that, Keith recommends that every three months, you reach out and just get on that person's radar. Even if it means calling them on their birthday just to see how they're doing. And to never have the expectation that there's a transaction or that you're going to get something out of it, but to genuinely reach out and ask about them. And it's it's kind of cool. Um, it's, it's daunting, but it's cool. And we're implementing something quite similar ourselves right now, as Phil mentioned, where we're, we went through, we made a list of every single client or person that we've worked with, that Phil has worked with over the past five years. And we're in the process of emailing literally all of them for a catch-up phone call. These are people that Phil hasn't talked to for, what, years? Yeah. Yeah. For years. And it's a very humbling experience because there's a handful of them that I don't want to talk to. 
to be honest with you. <laughs> and I'm sure we can all relate to this. But here's another fun little part of this. Lauren and I like to make rules to keep things fun. We made a rule that we're each only allowed to remove 10 people from the list each. 10 clients we really don't want to start the conversation with again. <laughs> I'm emailing people that honestly, I don't want to be emailing, but I hate to admit it's led from email, sometimes to conversation, to actually reigniting an old relationship that has turned into working projects. This has happened recently. I've sent about what, Lauren, 30, 40 outreach emails in total. And you're the quick, you're the, she's always pushing me to do this. I'm always like, oh God. I don't want to do this, but I'm telling you, focusing on reigniting old relationships over winning new ones, it's true. It is easier and it's more effective. It's a better use of your time if you haven't done it yet. Yeah, I have not done anything like that. Yeah, try it. Those 30 emails that Phil have sent, has sent has led to five, five figures of business in the past two months for us. Like it's, it really works. Yeah. It pains me to, we're not cutting that out. It pains me to admit, but it's true. Cause Lauren's always like, you need to reach out to these old people. I'm like, oh God, can we just get new clients? Like we've already branded them. We've already done work. But you know what? Sometimes it's just a matter of staying on people's radar. That's why I'm excited to share that, that one with you today. Let's maybe talk about well, like how to actually take that in, and put it into action. So if you're not using HubSpot or a way to manage your contacts, a spreadsheet is great. I recommend Google Sheets or even Airtable. Mm -hmm. Airtable is such a cool tool, really beautiful interface to manage data like this. This is such a better use of your time than preparing a proposal for Upwork. I'm on the other end of it where I hire contractors on Upwork and I, I feel bad when I put, post a job and I get 30 proposals in the first hour. I'm like, damn, people are spending a lot of time on this and I'm not going to hire any of you, maybe one or two of you. But because it's online and it's so passive, that, that, that process, I think it is pretty hard to win business on there unless you're one of the very top earners because I'm comparing you against people who've completed 3,000 jobs and have 99% success rate and have 100 plus reviews. It's very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult to stand out there. So let's come up with a strategy today on what you can do next to manage your contacts. One of the first things, do you use Gmail? Do you use Google Mail? Yes. Beautiful. So one of the easiest first steps for you is to log into Gmail, click contacts up on the top left. You can export all of your contacts, all of the people you have ever emailed. Now, I'm not saying that it's an easy task to go through and organize this, but how great to have everything in one place. A lot of people don't realize you can do this. They ignore Google contacts, but it, it keeps track of everyone you've ever emailed. And this is where you can... There are other tools I should mention to look into, like data miner and stuff like this. I won't spend a lot of time talking about those because it's a little more advanced, but just start with Google contacts and start to spend time organizing these, categorizing these clients in a way that help you prioritize who you need to reach out to first. I think, Lauren, we did something very simple. I think we assigned each client. I was overwhelmed. We had 268 clients, previous clients. And some of them we had worked with too recently to email and say, hey, let's pick up the conversation where we left, right? Because we worked with them a few months mm -hmm. ago. But I kind of went through initially very quickly, once I got that list down to people that I wanted to reconnect with, and I gave them a score, one to three, prioritizing them. So if they were a one, those are the ones I went through the list first. Then I went back to the top of the list and did two. I'm in the process of working down the list and doing three. 
that way, it's not just based on alphabetical order or time. It's based on priority, which you can kind of judge because it is going to be overwhelming. There's going to be a lot of people on that list that you've emailed. Right. Yeah, I had no idea you could even do that with uh, Google Contacts. I I was not aware of that one. I'll be honest, I didn't know either. I was like, wow, Phil, your bag of tricks. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing too that Phil and I considered with the one to three scoring strategy is people who get the one designation would warrant an in-person meeting like coffee or lunch because your time is valuable and whether we like it or not, it takes time to get ready, get in your car, drive to wherever you're driving, meet them, come back and you're losing time that you could otherwise be working. So one is an either Skype meeting or an in-person lunch or coffee. Two would be a phone call. And three is a touch-based email. I would judge sort of the sort of response or uptake to your ones and twos email, uh, one and two emails before deciding on whether threes get just an email update or, or you have a phone call with them. Just see how it goes. But at least that helped us sort of manage, I guess, people asking for for lunch if, you know, we don't have historically have a very strong relationship or don't see a lot of long-term potential with that partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Hold on. I think Phil has something to say. Me? What about you? Oh, yeah. I love putting you on the spot. You do. This is a moment in the podcast where we've decided that we're going to tell you what we do for a living. Who needs sponsors when we can just sell our services? Sponsor it ourselves. <laughs> so you're listening to us at work. We thought we'd tell you that, in fact, we offer this as a service. It's called a brand audit. So our brand audit, instead of being in a short podcast episode, it's completely private and it's a 90-minute consultation. And if you like what you're hearing, and if you like, especially in part two, the advice that we give, feel free to visit philpallon.expert slash therapy. There, there's a special link if you want the brand audit where you will get a discount. How much is the discount? I don't know. Have we decided? Do you know what? We're going to make it a 15% discount. There we go. That's what other podcasts do, at least. 15% off a brand audit if you want it. Shall we get back to the show? Let's do it. But at least that helped us sort of manage, I guess, people asking for for lunch if, you know, we don't have historically have a very strong relationship or don't see a lot of long-term potential with that partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious to know, as we discuss this, you must be thinking about maybe people that you're going to do outreach to. Who comes to mind? You don't have to name anyone, but like what types of people come to mind as you think about doing some of this cold outreach? Definitely some editors that I've worked with before. Either Most of them that I've worked with in person, those are the people that are coming to mind, um, even though I don't live, you know, in the same area. So I guess it kind of be hard to get together for lunch. It would be a <laughs> Skype call, if anything. Good point, because actually by the time you have all those lunches and dinners and happy hours, the bills add up right? And it almost puts pressure on you to be like, damn, I need to start to see a return on these if I keep spending money. So I'm glad you brought this up because you don't always have to go for lunch with them. Sometimes a Skype call is easier and honestly cheaper. Like I hate to say it, but it's true. I'd like how great to set aside, for example, clients know this, but not everyone knows this. Tuesday is our phone day at Phil Palin Collective. Tuesday is our phone day. 
So when new clients want to have conversations about working together, no, I don't just stop what I'm doing in the middle you know, of the day and get on a phone with a stranger. I'm sure they would love that. But unfortunately, with the type of work we do, I have to focus. My team has to focus. We're working on a website, we're working on a rebrand. I can't have interruptions throughout the day. I don't just do business development. I also do branding. I also travel a lot. So a lot of times I'm on an airplane without Wi-Fi. We create these rules and parameters to run the business within. So Tuesday is our phone day. I couldn't go for lunch with every single person I wanted to because I'd be bankrupt. But instead, I set aside the, you know, I set aside the day and this is a phone day. So maybe now moving forward once a day, use a tool like Calendly to help you manage it rather than saying, hey, are you available you know, at 11 a.m. or 11.30 this day to have a quick call, then you become a professional scheduler. No, you're a writer editor. Maybe send a Calendly link and they can choose a time based on your schedule when they're available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. There's another tactic that a salesperson who we worked with, actually, who we really admire, recommended. Dinesh. I didn't know. It was supposed to be anonymous. We love Dinesh. We love Dinesh so much. And Dinesh is like a sales master. And he recommends that whenever you meet with someone, I believe, God, I don't know if I should be quoting him, but basically he recommends that when you meet with someone, you should say, but at the end of the meeting, hey, are there three people you can think of who would benefit from my work or who I should know? Three people that I can help who you know and make it more about the other person and their contacts and how you can help them, not about you getting work. And you'd be really surprised to see, I I believe Phil's done that tactic before and it's worked. You'd be surprised to see how quickly people are to connect the dots and and introduce you. Mm, Okay. The necessary ingredient in that is humility. So when someone emails me and they're looking for help and they say something to the effect of, you know, I'm making the switch from full-time to freelance. I know that's, you know, you made the switch a while ago, but even just a, just acknowledging that you're in a position where you're really hoping to take on some new business, some new work that excites you, where you know you can do, you can make impact. They're just play with the wording of this, true to your situation. But humility, while it's hard to be in the position to be doing it, people respond really well to it. And that's a good example of how someone you know, uh, goes from being ignored in my inbox to actually being a priority. Mm -hmm. I would also encourage you to think of past contacts of yours who aren't editors, who maybe were assistants and or have potentially switched industries. Don't feel like you need to be limited to people who are already established in your career when you worked with them. Because you'd be surprised at how by reaching out to someone who was even low in the ladder when you worked with them, how many new people they might be able to introduce you to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Right. And I've found lately that uh, a lot of times I can't, I, I haven't been able to anticipate what kind of content they're going to need because they're, they're responding to, you know, the recommendations of their social media people or their marketing people. And they need something new that I didn't even think to ask them about. So yeah, that's a good, good idea. Exactly. There's another sales tactic that's just coming to my mind now. And the idea is to finish every meeting or even actually not finish. You could just say this in the meeting. Ask the person that you're speaking with if there's anything that you can do to help them. You could just, Mm -hmm. with all calls that we had at the beginning of the year, we would say, you know, it's a new year. What are your goals? And is there anything I can help you with? Yeah, new goals. 
<laughs> yeah. Has, Google uh, seems almost on a continuous basis. Every time Google updates something, there are new goals, it seems. Totally. Like, let's say you're meeting with an editor who you worked with five years ago, who you kind of fell out of touch with. Ask the editor what's going on in their life, even outside of work. It doesn't have to be all work-related. And you might find out that that editor's partner is starting a new business and they need help with their social media or copywriting for marketing. Ask how you can help or if there's anything you can do and phrase it in a way so it's clear that you're not offering help with the expectation of money. You're you're genuinely caring about um, helping move people in your network forward. Oh. Lots to think about. Yeah. And it's... I'm sorry, I'm just writing some stuff. No, <laughs> no, I love it. We've given you a lot to think about and kind of interesting that from, I think, within the first minute of our conversation, you had mentioned reaching out to new clients and I was like, hold up! This is on my mind as well. <laughs> We're not going to reach out to new clients. First, we're going to rekindle old relationships because it's easier. It's lower hanging fruit. So you feeling good about what you're going to do next? Any any ideas on what that next step is going to be? Well, I definitely want to uh, export my contacts from Google. Uh, <laughs> even though I haven't used uh, I haven't used Gmail for I, I guess it's since I started freelancing, so it should be pretty uh, encompassing. You know, I have everybody in there that I've uh, dealt with for the last couple of years, at least. That's where I want to begin, I guess, you know, see who I can talk to, who I haven't talked to in a while. Perfect. I think you can export your LinkedIn contacts too, right? Yeah, Phil's nodding. I would export um, export LinkedIn as well. And the email address associated with that LinkedIn account actually uh, comes out as part of the the data in that export. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about LinkedIn just as a, as a network? I always experience kind of mixed feelings about it because of the way I use it. I don't know if I use it the way the typical user does, where I'm I'm kind of making connections, but I tend not to uh, use it the way I use Facebook. I think LinkedIn is hotter now than ever because Facebook is more frustrating than ever. And I think the right people are on LinkedIn and the right people are spending time on LinkedIn. Video performs very well on LinkedIn. Posts are doing better. LinkedIn, really, the best part of it is the value it has as a search engine. So using it as a tool to find people, to maintain relationships, message people of interest. Yes, 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 yes. I'm all for LinkedIn. I used to be my least favorite platform and it's probably my new rising favorite in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, where I think time is best spent. So I'm all for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I typically, like I think the last few times I've looked at it, it's because, you know, they send me an email and I remember to, you know, go on and look. But I never, I'm never quite sure what kind of things I should post there if I'm, you know, posting content to the feed. I don't have that intuitive feeling for what kind of things I should post there the way I do for maybe, you know, Facebook or Twitter. Those feel more natural for some reason. I would, again, focus less on getting the attention of new people and instead just put your, your focus on LinkedIn towards messaging people you already know. Like if you're looking for business, that's really the surest way to get work quickly. And then once you're feeling at a, like you're at a really good place with clients and you've gone through your entire list, then I would focus on the marketing efforts. Don't even go there right now. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about having a... I actually just read a post this morning. I think it was on Writer's Digest about um, why the, the pros and cons of having an author blog. And a lot of times they say, don't even bother because it's just uh, something you're putting your energy into that takes away from the work you're doing. But the 
advantage I would see to it is having something I could post on, on places like LinkedIn. Do you uh, recommend having a blog just so that you can have a home for your content? I think there's merit in both. If you're too busy to write your own blog post properly, then don't do it. But if if you've got the opportunity to show us your writing ability through your own formulation of your own thoughts, then do it. Yeah, because exactly. The whole point of having a blog, whether it's a place you're sharing articles you've written elsewhere or your own living there, then the whole point of it is to drive people back to your website because there's new content. I would also, if you're blogging, I would also check out Medium, which is incredibly powerful if you can write something that has the potential to be shared by others. Yeah, I mean, I think this is good. I think blogging is great. Figure out how that fits within your content strategy. Rekindling old relationships through outreach. I think you've got a lot to do by the sounds of it. (laughs) Yes, I do. Uh, you mentioned Medium. I have a profile on Medium. I have not written anything for it yet. I feel like it's it's a lot. A lot of the the things that I could be using are just I've signed up for and ready to go, but I just don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, think again about your audience. Well, not again because this hasn't come up yet. But everything comes back to your audience. Your audience mm-hmm. in this case are the clients, people that have paid you money in the last year or two. That's your audience. How do we group those people? How do we describe them? How do we identify them? Once you're very clear on that, really, that's a conversation for another day. But once you're really clear on that, then you'll know exactly what to write. But give that some thought. That's not different from what we're discussing in terms of looking back at old relationships and figuring out how to prioritize those. All of this is working Mm -hmm. in conjunction to know your audience, maintain relationships, make sure people know what you're doing, give your audience what they want so they keep coming back for more. Well, I'm going to let you get to work because we've come up with a whole list of things to do. I'm very excited for you. Thanks for being so receptive to some of these ideas. Oh, no, I'm, I'm totally open to uh, new ideas. I just I feel like I'm not, not consistently moving forward. I feel like I move forward, but I don't have a strategy. So I'm glad to, uh, to get your feedback on that. You're going to definitely feel like you're moving forward after putting this into action. I guarantee it. Yeah, good. Perfect. Well, keep us posted. Thank you so much for your time and um, good luck. Oh, thank you. Well, this was a fun topic because it's very, very fresh on my mind as I sit here and look at 300 drafts in my inbox, emails I need to send to past clients. Everyone's got to do it. If you are freelancing, you are also in charge of biz dev. It's just how it goes. It is how it goes. We often, it's like a hot potato you and I throw back at each other. It's like, well, you do it. Well, no, you do it. No, but like, that's your job. Well, (laughs) I think it's your job. Oh my God. But no, it really, it is responsibility on everyone to bring in new clients and at least maintain relationships that may turn into clients. You never know. Maybe a friendship, maybe a client. You can't really anticipate that, but what you can do is stay on people's radar. And I think that's what Allison is. She sounds excited about that. So much energy goes into generating new business and acquiring new clients, but you don't realize how much easier is it to drum up conversation and business with someone who already knows you and knows you're good. Definitely. I think she's going to get work out of this. I really, really do. When I think about kind of obscure meetings that we've had where with no expectations that have led to work has happened more times than I can count. Absolutely. We want to know what you think. Have you tried any efforts like this? How do you keep track of your relationships? Don't just listen to the podcast. 
interact with us. I'm at Phil Palin on Instagram and Twitter. What are you? I'm at the Lauren Moore. Continue this conversation. We want to know what you think, what are your strategies? What did you think about the feedback we gave you? What do you think about the podcast? If you like it, go to iTunes, leave a review. We appreciate it. Really appreciate it. It helps other people find this. And we'll be back as we do next week with a brand new episode, a brand new subject and a brand new challenge here on Brand Therapy. Thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and we'll see you next week. Bye. And here's a little preview of our next episode. I think that vulnerability is definitely what makes my brand me. It's this, I would say vulnerability mixed with like positivity towards the frustration in life. 